This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Making Space, a Diversity Dialogue. I'm your host, Cole. This is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. As most of you know, at the time of this recording, the United States is experiencing an incredible amount of social movement and adversity among civilians and law enforcement officers. As of May 25th of this year, George Floyd, an African-American man, was killed during an arrest by Minneapolis police. He was suspected of using a counterfeit bill at a local convenience shop, although later the bill was proved genuine, he did die due to tactics used by the apprehending officers. Though not the first African-American life lost by such law enforcement measures, due to bystander video and accessibility of mass media tools like social media, this incident spread through the nation and through the world and sparked a time of civil unrest among citizens of every race. Now, protests in Minneapolis did begin the following day and then spread through the entire United States as of May 27th, hitting bigger cities like Dallas and even smaller towns like Stephenville, Texas. That brings us to our special guests today, all three of which spoke and participated in the Stephenville, Texas protest. Our first guest is Alex Jimenez, who organized the protest here and is currently a doctoral student at Marquette University Law School. Thank you for coming on, Alex, and congratulations on that. And then Dr. Reggie Hall is our next guest. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry about the audio delay, listeners. We are doing a Zoom call, as you may know. Dr. Reggie Hall is our next guest, who is an associate professor and department head with the College of Business Administration at Tarleton State University. And then Savion Washington, a formal athletic administration and coaching major at Tarleton State University. He is also a local business owner and founder of SW Fitness. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I'm glad to hear you guys. Go ahead and say hi to the listeners. How are y'all? guys? Oh, guys. Thanks. Thanks, so Cole, happy for to having us on as well. I am so excited to get into this podcast and really get into um, the interview portion. But I do want to tell the listeners first off that our main goal for the podcast today is to hash out what systematic racism is and how it manifests in the United States, as well as talk about you guys and your experiences with protests, as well as just your experiences in general. Um, While I don't have very much vocabulary for this episode, I do want to let people know that we did have a previous episode of Making Space where we discussed a lot of the history and a lot of vocabulary related to police brutality in the Black community. So if you haven't listened to that one, I do recommend it. It has some testimony about growing up in the Black community as well as the history of law enforcement there. I did want to define racism really quick though um, via Merriam-Webster as the definition they have recently changed. Racism is a belief that race is a primary determinant of human traits and capabilities that race differentiates uh, inherent superiority or of a particular race. 
Now, I feel like that's a lot of words to just say generally, um, if you feel as if your race is better than others, that is inherently racist. Um, what do you guys think about that? What, how, do you, how would you define racism? Anyone can take that. Yeah, I can do it. Um, so there's, to me, a lot of, there's a lot of different forms of racism. Um, to definitely, me, definitely. kind of like you were saying, um, it's just like having people in a more favorable position than others uh, based on their race, I guess. Um, so there's like right. systemic racism, which is the racism in your quote unquote system. So if you think of it like in our country, the United States, it would be like the laws and, and policies that have been set up uh, mm -hmm. that favor the dominant culture over others, like people of color. Um, right. And then there's just the other, you know, guys. Like overt racism, right. Yeah. Like overt racism is something like you're just walking down the street and like someone uh, just shouts like a, a slur at you or something like that. Or right. he thinks it's better than you just because you're brown or black and he's white and something like that. Right. Exactly. Overt is definitely more of, unfortunately can be very unapologetically so um it's usually very apparent uh did anyone else have want to talk about that or do we want to move uh, on I, to more questions I'll go ahead, Cole. so for me uh i think systemic systematic or however you pronounce it i think it's more like i, I like the youth i like the, the younger generation i always think about like schools go to like the lower community or like the poverty schools so to say i grew up in mm -hmm. areas you don't even put enough money into the schools to even like to have the kid around like knowledgeable people, people that mm -hmm. are positive, right? You're just around negative. They do. I think the let's just say the, the 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 black community. I think they struggle more with like racism just because they have nothing, right? They mm -hmm. all they do is like they're just survival of this. Like you got you have to rob to survive. You have to uh, steal money from your mom. It's all like. You have to sag. And I say you have to, it's just the way they brought up. That, right. That's the it's, way they came up. And that's your product of your environment and stuff like that. So exactly. It, like, it's the social cool. no, norms, exactly. right? That that you're set at uh, exactly. from a very young age. You're just sure. brought up into that. Yeah, we could talk, we could tackle that, all that, this whole <laughs> idea of systematic racism right. or racism throughout the entire the entire podcast. And I'm sure that's kind of you wanted to target that and so we won't focus too much. But yes, as Savion described, you look at the school systems or as Alex mentioned, you looked at any of our legal systems and you see uh, that the racism existed so long ago because of the privilege and who made those mm -hmm. rules. And we look at our school systems and our school bases and obviously our schools are tax-based based upon the representation, mm -hmm. the economic factors that, that coincide in that particular area, that city. And so you see those that tend to be uh, it's not necessarily intentional, and maybe it is intentional, uh, but it creates an unintentional impact, which is systematic racism in my mm -hmm. head, but, but it is still racism nevertheless. And so mm -hmm. uh, it just creates some barriers uh, for, for advancement for people of color. And uh, again, again, so, like I said, some of it we never know oftentimes, and that's the confusion because it becomes right. uncomfortable talking about about the impact uh i'm reading a book or listen audio book and i finished it and it's i'm going to read it again it was uh robin d'angelo with white fragility and she talked about yes, looking at intention 
and, and versus impact or actually the other way she was, she was to, you know, just discussing those two words of, of when we talk about racism, uh, intention and impact. And I thought those were powerful words. And so. Yeah, I think we see, um, at least I feel like a lot of my listeners will probably see it as they don't realize what things are happening or just that they don't realize what the effect will be if they make a certain decision or if they say a certain thing or if they set about policies a, a certain way. And I think it goes back to rep having representation for every type of person and trying to put yourself in each other's shoes, definitely. Absolutely. All right, let's, let's go into my questions a little bit um, since we discussed that. Why did you guys decide to organize a protest here in Stephenville? Um, I'm not sure who exactly, I, I'm sure Alex um, was probably like the head of that. Of course, you, you organized it mostly. But what, what made you guys decide to do a protest here? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think just growing up here, the experiences I had, um, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of black kids in our high school and growing up. Mm -hmm. But um, the few that we that were in school, you know, I was really good friends with them. And just like the experiences that they would tell me that they had, uh, the experiences that I had, even though I'm not black, um, really just kind of, you know, it always kind of bothered me. Um, and I've always kind of been a little bit more outspoken, I guess. Um, so I was like, you know, this is something that goes on in Stephenville that is a, is a pretty big problem. Okay. Um, I think both of the guys here will attest to that. And it's just, you know, I wanted to do something about it. So I just like just created it on a whim and it really like just blew up. Um, never thought that it would be as big as it got, but thank goodness it did. And, right. and thank goodness it's been overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive. So. Of course. Awesome. I know when I first heard about you guys putting on the protests, I, uh, immediately my significant other was like, yes, we have to go. And I'm like, okay, yes, we'll go. And I wasn't, unfortunately, as it is Stephenville, I wasn't expecting such a large group, but I am so happy that it ended up being such a large group. So that that's really amazing. Did anyone else want to comment on that before we move on? Or what did y'all feel like? So I was so excited, but scared when Alex texted mm. me. I think it was two nights before. I didn't even know who he was. I knew his parents, but I never met him. I was like, wait. I, I looked at my wife. I was like, wait, somebody's trying to set something up. They want me to be a part of it. What do I do? <laughs> and then my wife is, she's, she's actually white. So Reggie's wife and stuff like that. But it's like, you got to do it. Do it. I was like, man, it's easy for you to say that, huh? Like, <laughs> I tell everybody, like, every single day, everybody talk about the protests or whatever. I tell them that Alex, the youngest kid that did it, he's the most brave, bravest person in this town. Like, I would have been... I, I'm on record saying, like, I would be too scared to do something like that. Like, I'm scared of the backlash, you know, like, Definitely. a lot of our culture, like, we hold it in. Like, we, we think a lot of stuff, but mm. we still got to protect and take care of our family, right? We can only of course. So Alex, I appreciate you, my guy. Yeah, congratulations Love on you your guys. success, guys. Seriously. <laughs> no Definitely. doubt. No doubt. Uh, he he uh, did a great job initiating and just, um, I think he contacted Jake Freed who contacted me to ask me to get involved and I spent a lot of time trying to debate should I be involved I know I needed to be involved but mm -hmm. you know you also have the struggle the balance between uh being uh being a Tarleton professor also being a right. parent 
uh, being responsible, but you also have to be a responsible citizen as well. And so um, it, it was a great opportunity for Stephenville. And I know uh, it was a great opportunity for me because it, 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 you know, as much as it impacted everyone else, uh, you know, it impacted us as well to have a platform to be able to speak out and speak openly because there is a lot of caution. We talk about this systemic racism. There, there's a caution even for a black man to talk about about the way it, when there's it, it, talk about how we feel about these things, especially when there's no what I call a critical mass of, of mm. African Americans in this community with with any influence or power. Um, mm -hmm. It's very small in that regard. So. Uh, yeah, I appreciate what Alex yeah. did, and I think it was not just good for Alex and, and for Savion and myself, but for for Cole and her husband, oh. or significant other, or significant other, or who, whom, and and also so many more people in this particular uh, community. Period. So. Definitely, I I don't think many people realize how um, scary it can be to do something like that, uh, especially oh. if you're not part of a part of a minority group. Like oh. it, it's. It can be terrifying. Night before, you know, I'm calling Reggie. I'm texting Alex. I'm <laughs> texting the police. Like, man, like, is this it? <laughs> is this oh it? <laughs> <laughs> this my last night. <laughs> this last night. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yeah. I know. I had it. it was I terrifying. I was, I was so scared. Definitely. I was, I was so scared. But thank goodness it went well. Sure. Yes, and peaceful. Yes. Right, definitely. I, to be honest. We we were prepping for the worst when, of course, you all you see on the the media right now, uh, unfortunately, is how bad it can go. Um, a lot of the violence associated with it, but it, it's something that needs to be heard, and I'm I'm glad it was heard here. Definitely. All right. Um, what was your experience with law enforcement? I know you mentioned some in the Facebook event that it went well but why don't you go ahead and tell uh podcast listeners how you worked with law enforcement with the protest um so yeah they so i created the facebook page like sunday afternoon and i guess that they got wind of it like the police department and they reached out to me sunday night mm. and i was like oh crap oh, like no. <laughs> right. what did i get myself into and i i'm not gonna lie i you know i had uh my doubts and i was pretty hesitant um, mm. but um, i wanted a bunch of people to come with me just to like kind of bridge the gap and and i knew that these two guys are very well respected in the community as they should be and i was like you know i wonder if they'd like to be a part of it so um thank goodness they joined me and i mean it really like opened my eyes that first meeting because the police officers were like so genuine and understanding it seemed like and I, they are not that it seemed like but they were like in mm. my opinion like they were just friendly understanding they supported us and they like agreed with us too which That's meant amazing. a lot and um just building that relationship with them you know because i know not just from the media but you know you know a situation here or there that i've had you know it kind of builds that distrust between me and law enforcement and now like I feel way more comfortable because I know that those guys that we've been speaking to and meeting with um you know they're they they have my back so that it's meant a lot to me yes that that is really really amazing I, I'm glad they were behind y'all 
how did y'all feel with the police presence there? Did were you trustful or was there still hesitation? I think after having that conversation with uh, with uh, the chief of police and his crew, I think there was three other individuals uh, uh, there present, and, and they were so positive that I felt I felt confident that they were there uh, protecting us as citizens uh, and, and being able to protect our, our First Amendment rights, um, and so that that gave me a lot of that gave me a lot of confidence even despite in spite of what's happening national wide with the distrust of black what it seems to you've heard this the black versus blue i didn't feel like that was going to be the case uh in this situation uh they they asked to march with us they mm -hmm. asked to be a part and they wanted to make sure it was safe and it was appropriate and um that 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 they respected both the, the marchers and protesters as well as protected the local community. And, and they went up above and beyond for sure. uh, in order to make sure all of those things happened and more. Even things that you guys didn't get to see, uh, we have, we've even had an after action uh, meeting after protests were really the last, last Friday, yeah. a week ago. Yeah. And so um, we learned a little more about what they did in order to make things better. And so I, I, I was pleased and happy to have them supportive. And I think that's why it went well. So that's mm -hmm. why we were successful. And then for me, Cole, not to mm -hmm. cut you off. No, it's fine. Go ahead. So, I told Alex, I told Jamaica, you know, everybody that was part of us, Miss Towns, everybody. That was like the most powerful meeting I've ever been to in my life. Like, um, obviously you grew up, or uh, I grew up, we feared the police, right? Like, mm. that's, if they get behind my mom while she's driving and she yells, everybody shut up. I'm like, wait, if we talk and get pulled over, like, I'm confused, <laughs> like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. You know, but sure. it's yeah. like, you, 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 you always have this nervous feeling around the police, you know? But as I got older, as I learned to love people for who they were, instead of like, what I thought they were, um, I learned that they're, they're human just like us, right? Like, exactly. they're, they're brave yeah. men that go to they go to, you know, work every day, not knowing if they'll come home that day, you know, so it was amazing. Like Chief Harris, Dan Harris, he's been phenomenal. He's actually, he actually, like I train at the park out here, JC mm -hmm. Park. He pulled up this morning and just hopped out of his truck and was like, hey man, how you doing? Everything good? Just like, I didn't ask him to be there. He didn't tell me he was oh, coming. It's really cool. Having the kids, like knowing that we can work together and help each other. That's, that's the change we need. Definitely. I, I think it's, it's important to stress during this time that it isn't that these protests are trying to put Black lives on a pedestal. It's about bringing you guys up to where you should have been and making that equality there and really just being humans together and having relationships with each other. So that, I'm really happy to hear that you had that experience. Definitely. Right, now, how did you guys, so I went through the comments of a lot of the protest pictures <laughs> and um, the posts about the protests, and how did y'all feel about the response um, in the town by the, by the locals? How did y'all feel about that? How did you respond? Uh, oh, man. I told my mom to get off Facebook because she was getting <laughs> pretty worried. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I think I put it on one of the updates. It, 
what we're trying to stress and, you know, kind of my goal through this whole thing is there's three things. There's peace, love, and equality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that's, unfortunately, a lot of the locals um, were not thinking that. Um, but, right, there was definitely you know, a lot of that, negativity on social yeah, media. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, on that, that was just for me, I was trying to, like, just calm everybody down. But that's, like, the basis of the whole thing. Um, as far as like the negative comments, I mean, it was disappointing to me because I know a lot of people making the negative comments, like knew, know me personally and oh, I wow. didn't trust me to kind of have a peaceful protest. And like I was a leader and my name was right. on it. So if right. it would go bad, like it would be horrible for my reputation. So like, why would I not try to make it as peaceful right. and as good as it needed to be? um you definitely put your your uh reputation up for that and mm-hmm. up for a lot of the negativity and you were prepared for that but i uh. yeah i mean and another thing is a bunch of people were saying like racism isn't a problem in stevenville mm. so why are we even have it, having this first of all that's kind of like racial in itself i feel like um yes there are definitely but another thing I, I think that for me, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, I wasn't scared of anyone from out of town. I was afraid of the locals. And I think that that should speak volumes about where Stephenville is. Like, I didn't fear anyone coming from Dallas and from, yeah. like, apparently there's people coming from Del Rio, Dallas, and Austin, like, whatever. <laughs> but I didn't fear any of those people. I feared the locals. Right. Stephenville's and, a very small town with certain belief systems that it, it's not very yeah. big. So that's just like, that was my thing. Like I saw a bunch of people that I knew posting very hateful things. Um, you know, they wanted to run us over. They, they were locked and loaded, you know. Mm. And all those people from Stephenville, like that I saw, they live in the area. So I was scared of the locals. Uh, But thank goodness, like as of now, like after the event has happened, I think the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's just what I've gotten uh, from the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, Cole. So uh, I probably like Alex and Savion both. Uh, their phone or social media inboxes were, 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 were probably super busy with yeah. overwhelming support from people. Um, I, I, I like both of them, I'm sure. I had and had several Facebook requests for friend requests and things of that nature. So uh, as, as, as Alex worried about the locals, I, I, can, I can say I, I was worried as well. Um, in that regard too, you know, there are some really great people in Stephenville, but there are still people who still have that, 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 that overwhelming belief of, of, of white privilege or nationality or, 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 or superiority and, and may not be, they, their biases haven't, haven't had to be checked. And so I was, yeah, I was, I was a little nervous, but I do, I was very appreciative of the people who really got involved and really uh, it's kudos to folks at Tarleton. Uh, that's a shameless plug to Tarleton, but I know a lot of Tarleton folks 
who were staff or employees or whatever their role was. And they, they're also Stevensville citizens. They, they came out and they were, they were in, they were in full pledge and, and support. And I got a lot of messages, emails and Facebook uh, from, uh, from those type of people. Yes. That, that's Lastly, um, as it got closer, I really wasn't scared of like, I got told Reggie, Alex, all the law enforcement this the day before. I said, I'm not, I'm really not scared to, to get hurt if I'm doing what's right, you know? Like, mm. it doesn't, like, that, that doesn't fear me, but what I was scared of is like, my wife, like, I have a wife, Reggie has kids, right? right? Alex has a family that's been in Stephenville for about 30 years or more, right? Like, we have family, like, it, this this is bigger than us, you know. So definitely, Reggie posted something the night before, Cole, and it calmed me down. He said, <clears throat> "It's just a short thing, a short version, or is it a little takeaway." He said, "He said, understand this: there are no troublemakers leading this protest. Only citizens who attend your churches, people who may have attended school with your kids, men and women and children of parents that taught and coach your children, folks who have invested in the community, law enforcement officers who believe this is the right thing to do." local educators, et cetera. And he was basically saying, that's not a rowdy crew, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't have anybody coming in with like a, a violent mindset. Like, Alex didn't want to fight. I didn't want to fight. Reggie didn't want to fight. We didn't want to break buildings down. It's just like, <laughs> our goal was simply to get people to understand that we're all human, right? Like, like the same rights that, right, the, the dominant um, culture has, we need them, you know? Like, we're all the same. So right. Reggie posted that, I was like, I just took a deep breath. I was like, let's go. Like, that gave me that boost that I needed. That is great. That That's incredible. It, it's such a good idea to put people in a mindset of like, oh, this could actually be someone I know. Because so <laughs> sure. many people are like, well, this doesn't affect me. So why should I go? Or um, that I shouldn't step into this problem because, like, I'm not a part of that community. It's important to know that we're all human beings and we all need to support other human beings. Cole, it's, it's, as I put that out there, I was thinking through and, uh, and then we, I know you want, we can keep moving and I don't want to steal a lot of the time, but my no, point right. of that was that Alex, for instance, his parents, both are educators. They have impacted pretty much every kid has come through, been impacted <laughs> by them, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, um, you know, whatever culture. Savion teacher has coached so many kids of all races and ethnicities. Every day he's out there, and I've, I've, I work at the university. Plus, I've coached kids in this community for since I was 25, so 17 years. Uh, and so, it, it is just unbelievable that that people could think that you know I, I just wanted to call them that your, your kids have probably already been impacted and influenced by mm-hmm. Alex and as who coaches kids as well or his parents who coaches kids teachers or teachers and Savion mm-hmm. who coach your kids have already been influenced and the society has already been influenced by these individuals and and we're here to make it better uh, right we're not there needs to be a level now. of trust there sure. yeah so yeah. all right um, so stepping away from specifically Stephenville protests, what is it like being a person of color here in a small town like Stephenville, just in general? So I answer first. I know Alex, you grew up here, but I'm a, I've been here the shortest amount of time. 
like I came in 2011, mm-hmm. played football, Cole, so graduated in 2015, went home, came back, got my master's, went home, came back, started a business. So I think Reggie has about 20 years on me in Stevenville. I think Alex has his whole life on me, but for me, like I've never dealt with verbal racism hands-on, you know? Obviously, right, that overt thing we're talking right, about. Right, obviously you get looked at different and you're you're always the like a bean in a bowl of rice. I always say that. But anyways, it's like it's always like it's weird. It's awkward when it's, you're around that kind of stuff. And to me, like yeah. looks, I told them, I told this, I told, I said this at the protest. Like looks, they don't phase me. Like like anybody like chatting on the side it doesn't phase me. So I know Reggie. I think he said in Alex, they they dealt with it here. So I let them talk about that more. But for me, it's like it's just I haven't been in that situation yet. Mm-hmm. Will it come? I hope not. But if it does, I'm pretty well prepared for it. But for me, it's just it's, trying to keep a cool head, basically. That's it, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, on a personal level, you you see it. Of course, I'm in a inter, interracial relationship. So, and um, you you you'll get a little bit uncomfortable, uh, even as you know you would think. And I hear this all the time that even. Uh, you know, as a professor, uh, you know, you, you, you earn a certain level of respect and you earn a certain le- level of income, but there's certain things that places that my wife and I, we just don't go. Um, really? Uh, and we just don't go, like, as far as a restaurant, for instance, mm-hmm. it's not any restaurant in particular, but if you see these great hole in the walls, these little dives, if I don't know much about it, we just don't go because we don't feel comfortable. And so those things still exist in Stephenville, even though that you could say, people can't believe that when I tell them that, uh, you know, like you're Reggie Hall, you're you're a professor, I'm still black and I wear that first. And that's what people who don't know me see me as first. Uh, They don't know what I do. Uh, They don't know who I am. They don't know my education, but they do know what I look like. And so you get some kind of uncomfortable looks. And so um, those things still exist. And so you're always, you're, you're always mindful. As I mentioned to, uh, the, the, the law enforcement folks, I'm always, I wake up every morning and I'm mindful that I'm a black guy in Stephenville, Texas and in the United mm-hmm. States period. I, I think about that con- consciously. And I, and that's the difference between being a black guy and understanding that. And, and, and when we talk about white, not because white people are bad, but the system is built this system is right. built and predicated for whites. And so when they wake up, they don't, you don't think about being white. You don't even have to acknowledge right. that. Exactly. So yeah, it, it exists and it, it's not a knock and it's not a knock on white people. It's, 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 it's the reality. So anyway. I think it almost goes back to that um, kind of the toxicity of the uh, you don't see color language or like that, that idea that, well, I don't care what color your skin is. Well, okay, but there are different things that affect people of color. There are different things that affect indigenous people. There are different things that affect black people. There are different things that affect Hispanic people. Like there are differences that you have to acknowledge, even though me, for example, as uh, white, I, I don't have to think about wearing my skin color everywhere and figuring out, did that person look at me because I have a certain skin color? I mean, I have other things, but it's, yeah, you definitely have to think about where 
where other people are sitting and what other people experience every day. So great. Definitely. Yeah, I, I know for me, it's just like there's always kind of a little sense of like discomfort. Like when you're out, you know, you get the looks and you're just like, it's just weird. Like when people are just like staring at you, looking at you, you're like, dude, like, what are you looking at? It's, 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 I don't want to say it's just annoying. It's uncomfortable. Um, And you can't do anything about it because you know, it, I mean, you just can't, it's just the way it's It's not something you can, it's not clothes you can take off or yeah. uh, a t-shirt you can stop wearing it's it's and and then if say like for example say like I've had you know a couple of difficult experiences with like a white male or something like that mm-hmm. well I don't know the, that white male specifically so anytime that I get around like a white male or something like that it's just like oh crap maybe this is the guy that did this to me or like it's just right it's just a level of like discomfort and um there's a level of trauma there that is mm-hmm. just constantly has you on on your toes basically yeah you always have to be very very mindful of your surroundings and and it's it's uh i mean it's just something that we have to deal with it's you know i think reggie was saying it good it's not a knock on any type of people it's just something that we have to deal with that maybe white people don't necessarily have to deal with all the time mm-hmm. So many people are kind of shocked to find out that there are some issues like this still happening, like uh, racism, for example. People uh, think that it's ended due to like segregation ending, and they're like, "Why? I don't. Why is this still happening? Um, I didn't think this was still happening in the United States." How do y'all respond to that? Oh well. Uh, I'll initiate that, and I just mentioned that. I get that all the time. We get that. Does this still exist? And and yes, the answer is you have to provide a little bit of education, and and, and it's not really shouldn't be on us to provide the education. Mm -hmm. The reality, I mean, it's the things exist. It's a systematic uh, approach. You look, uh, I I mentioned education. You can go to graduation rates. You can look at the the, the disparity between especially African-American boys and how, how they're treated in the education system often either put, put into uh, special education classes. They're suspended at a much higher rate. Um, you, you look, and Hispanic males are right into those categories and there's a great disparity. And the question I always ask folks is like, do you really believe that blacks and Hispanics are inferior to like a black male and a white male? Are, are they inferior? Right, because they shouldn't mm-hmm. be if we're talking about on a just a neutral platform or are they inferior? Why is there a greater disparity between the graduation rates and the expulsion rates and and the the, the wealth gap? Why do they exist? Mm-hmm. Well, if there's no real answer, if you go to meritocracy, because if I work hard, that that's 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 bull, and mm-hmm. so. Those are the things that that we have to look at to say, well, maybe there is something that exists and just being openly honest about uh, about those things, but it makes people uncomfortable. There's there's a reason that it exists and, and we can go into a long, it's about power and it's about advancement and wealth opportunities, but yeah, it exists. And so 
uh, I probably have digressed far off of your your question, no, but okay. I, like, <laughs> I like to hear your your thoughts on it. So yeah, so sorry. I I am passionate about those things because of course. I, I get those questions even from people with you you I you can't even excuse people with PhDs because I still get those questions. I still get the comments by mm -hmm. if they have there's a black person who's hired on at Charleston. Or, or or anywhere and they will say or Hispanic and you know, I, I, he got the job because he's black or he got the job because he's Hispanic or yeah. she and I'm thinking did you understand what you just said you, you're saying that's the only reason and and, and I, I I have problems with that and I sometimes mm -hmm. have to take that I have to take that because it would take too long to educate someone uh, on that whole process but yeah mm -hmm. it, it's still uncomfortable. Right. It's um, how do you all feel about people saying that they don't feel like racism still exists in America? Did y'all want to take that one or you want to move on? I'll go first, Alex. Okay. Yeah, so it's just me. I keep saying the same thing. Um, Cole, I feel like it started a little over 400 years ago, right? I feel like mm -hmm. it's always been there. We all know it, right? Our, our ancestors knew it. They, the, all these older generations knew it. I tell Lindsay all the time, it'll be here long before or long after we die, you know? And that's mm -hmm. whether, it doesn't matter if we all, right, we're the same color, you know? Uh, I joke often and say, like, we'll find something else to be mad about. Like, oh, his nose is bigger than mine or, or mm -hmm. he has more hair. Like, it's that's like, this is literally like humans, like, something got messed up. And you can go biblical and say Adam and Eve and all that, but mm -hmm. something got, like, messed up to where we just wanted to hate each other, you know? And... Yeah, it's, it's the emotions that they're always yes. heightened. Uh, there's always something we want to fight for or fight against. Like Reggie, or like Reggie said, like people just in the job force, in the career world, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur, so I do research a lot of billionaires, a lot of millionaires, a lot of philanthropists. Like I research a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I probably see like five African American men to every 100 white men. You know, yeah. like there's something. Obviously, if that doesn't tell you something, like, I don't know what will, because right. I've met a lot of smart African-American men. I've met a lot of smart uh, Caucasian men, right? Like, it's it's a gap, and we all know it. And our job is just right. to be a small part, and hopefully that trickles down to the next generation. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, we can't say there isn't um, racism systematically or overt, even in the United States, in if we look if we look at the differences, the disparities, that there has to be a reason for this, right? It can't just be, well, eh, that's just how it happens. <laughs> there has to be some sort of policy or something even ingrained as a social norm uh, in the way we're raised, especially in the South, especially in the South. So, Alex, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll kind of just, bounce off what Reggie was saying it's still I mean it, it exists I don't um I don't understand you know that I don't know why people say that it doesn't exist anymore it, it absolutely does uh, another thing is um even if you accept the argument that it doesn't exist which I think we all agree that it does still exist those racist policies in the systematic laws 
that existed like in the 1950s mm-hmm. and, and, and up, you know, into like the seventies or so, like in that civil rights movement, those are still like the effects of that still linger today. Redlining. If we know what redlining is like African-Americans could not get mortgages for houses. And that was what in the fifties the that those created those neighborhoods that are super impoverished, super, uh, like high crime, high violence. Mm-hmm. That was that's a product of redlining. Even those neighborhoods today are a product of redlining. Those people mm-hmm. that moved to inner city Chicago in the 1950s still live there, and those communities are still just ravaged by the effects of those policies. Um, I mean, even the the prison system, prison right. system, like. Definitely. 13th Amendment has, you know, it abolished slavery and, and involuntary servitude except for the punishment of crime. Mm-hmm. Well, African Americans are incarcerated at a much, much higher clip than than white people and even Hispanics. I mean, those policies still exist. Not okay, the 13th Amendment still exists. Redlining doesn't, but right. the effects of redlining and like still policies happens. still linger. And it's so difficult to overturn that because it did so much damage. Mm-hmm. It did so much damage to those communities. It's it's going to take a long time to overturn that. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, and then just attitudes towards people, you know, they, sure, some people are changing on the, on the good side or on the correct side, if you will. But I mean, there's still other people that will never you know, look at me or Savion or Reggie the same way they look at someone else that's their color. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the fact of it. So it's still, it's still definitely around. There's definitely a lot of uh, internalized racism, I think. Um, there are, of course, the policies, which I recently watched a documentary on Netflix, if you can imagine, that, <laughs> um, called 13, about the 13th Amendment. And I'm really interested in going into that. I'll have I have a possible guest for an episode about that one too later on, but there's, especially in the South, you're raised a certain way. And then I feel like there are internalized racist comments or belief systems that you, you think or whatever that without realizing it until someone, or you hear something that makes you question it, right? Why, why am I thinking this way? Or why is it that I was raised this way? Why have I never seen people of color in my high school? Or why why do I only see a few people of color in my high school? Why don't I have any people of color friends? Is that something that I need to change? And I think having you guys on this episode and having a podcast like this helps people in that regard. to try to question what their belief system is or what they've always thought, definitely. All right, Um, so we did talk about systematic racism a little bit and we talked about how racism is still manifesting um, to this day. How do we see that in the United States? And we can talk about law enforcement, we can talk about the prison system, you mentioned that a little bit, but I guess we can be more specific to law enforcement how do we see that manifest there um well i think on 
on that documentary you just uh, watched 13th mm-hmm. there's like a statistic uh, so if you just think the racism like you associate if you see a person of color you think that they're tr- a troublemaker basically mm-hmm. like that's kind of like the stereotype right and in that documentary I think it was like like 80 something percent of blacks that are stopped like with just like without cause and they like they're searched without a like they they're stopped and searched for no reason at a way higher clip and and then they they are not uh like nothing happened like nothing they don't have anything on them like they don't get in trouble for it but they are Mm -hmm. still stopped and searched just because of that racial mindset of oh this guy is a person of color he looks like a troublemaker Mm-hmm. Um, you can just, you, you know, if you think, if you guys are familiar with like the Trayvon Martin incident, um, the George Zimmerman, what did he say? Like to the dispatcher, he's like, these a-holes always get away or something. He said something like that. Uh, l- like, what does that have to do anything with Trayvon Martin? The, he's not referring to anything other than the guy, than Trayvon's skin color. And we saw what happened with that. And I know George wasn't, George Zimmerman wasn't a a law enforcement officer, but I mean, it's just a bunch of things like um, the police brutality against blacks. Like uh, there was someone killed in in Tulsa, like in 2016, and they had like a helicopter flying around. And from like a thousand feet in the air, the guy looks down and sees a black, the black man. And is like, that guy looks like a troublemaker. He literally said that. And like, how does he look like a troublemaker from that far away? Like you just don't, you don't know. That's right. how like that, that race, racist racial attitude against blacks thinking that and people of color totally like you think they're troublemakers just because of the color of their skin. You're more uncertain about them. And that's how it manifests in law enforcement. I feel like. Mm-hmm you take what you what's been ingrained as well as what the system was made up for sure dr hall uh savion did you want to yeah i mean i'll continue out alex articulated his point very well and you look at the you look at the complexion color i'm a very dark complexed african-american and savion as well I think the darker complected, the more you're going to get uh, seen as, as a troublemaker. Here, I'll give you a quick example of this, of mm-hmm. these things that happened. And it, it didn't, nothing ever happened to it, but there was a, a, a burglary, a robbery of a Tanglewood Pharmacy oh, yeah. uh, not too long ago, maybe a couple years ago. And I was on my way to work, but I was in workout clothes because I was just going to go to the gym first. And so, I kept seeing a helicopter circling by our neighborhood. I didn't know what was going on, but my wife, as I'm taking out the trash and getting ready to go to work, she came outside and she said, hey, there was a burglary. You need to be aware. And that's why the helicopter's searching. And they were searching actually for an African-American man. And I think the description was shorts and was shorts and some type of shirt. And I'm walking around. I think it was the exact same color I happened to have on. And I walk around. I'm fine. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I am not fine. Uh, uh, so I went back in and changed clothes and made really? sure I put on something that was different because I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I do know how society views African-Americans and oftentimes it's very, it's very same size. We're all bad. And so 
uh, you know, and so I, I even even me being you know living in the neighborhood I lived in, I still I went back in and changed clothes just because of that perception that I know still mm-hmm. exists in the minds, not just the people in Stevensville, but it's it's it can be a nationwide deal. Uh, uh, being black is bad, oftentimes, and we have to get better at ridding ridding that those stereotypes that black men are scary and they're they're harmful. They're going to rape your women and yeah. they're going to mm-hmm. rob your your you know. Uh, they're going to rob your homes. Uh, that none of none, those aren't true. Those are just those are fallacies that we we've, we've interpreted to be the reality, and, and mm-hmm. we perpetuate that into reality. And you see these law enforcement. Uh, many times they are very still fearful when they see African American male, and the bigger, the blacker, the worse, the, the more dangerous they are. Mm-hmm. Then lastly, I'll tell you a quick story. So. <clears throat> Like, from what we see, we see a lot of men that deal with it. And obviously, we can bring up Sandra Bland, you know, names like that. So my wife, we met here at Tarleton. She played here for two years. Then she transferred to a school in Oklahoma, and I stayed here, right? She was like, maybe two or three white girls on the all-black team, you know? Mm-hmm. She was only she was one of the only ones that had a vehicle to get her teammates around for food, uh, pharmacy, anything like that. So right. one night, her and her friend got in a well, one night her friend that had a car drove Lindsay to like a store or something and they got pulled over by the police mm-hmm. and her friend was, she wasn't fully black but she was mixed, right? Darker complexion. Right. She was driving and when the cop pulled them over the driver, which was the mixed girl, she said, what did you put me over for? And the cop had said, we had a call about a suspicious blue car in the area, you know? Lindsay interrupted that conversation and Lindsay told the cop, but her car is silver. Why did you pull her over, right? And yeah. the girl, the girl, I never knew this until this girl texted Lindsay like two weeks ago or when we were in the heat of this. Right, all of the, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the girl said, Lindsay, I just thank you for that day. Like, I looked at him in the eyes and you could have saw his facial expression. Like, you really like, I don't know what would happen, but your voice just did something. When I read that text, it gave me like chills. I'm like, so I'm the black guy, right? But my wife, right. she has been like front line with it. I'm like, man, maybe you should go talk. <laughs> but, <the lady. laughs> but it's just stuff like that. Like it's like it's real. Like you know, like right. man. I mean, there there are plenty of videos and accounts of um, black individuals saying one thing, and then just people not hearing and then we have white allies saying the same thing and they're like oh oh I see and that that just shows that there's a disparity here that there's some reason that you can listen to something a white person says but the same thing from a black person is just not heard and that's definitely an issue and for you to say that like it's that's that's huge like Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, since we are talking about law enforcement and, uh, of course, all the protests are related to law enforcement and their uh, tactics and arrests and all of that, the acronym ACAB has come up a lot during protests. Um, some people are getting kind of confused, thinking it means all cops are bad. A lot of people have said that but it does have the original meaning as all cops are bastards. I've heard a few accounts of exactly what 
this is like associated with as in like a bastardized system but how do you guys how do you guys feel about this particular term being used and and do you agree with it do you are you indifferent on it what do you guys think no, I, I wouldn't agree with that at all um even if it's part of a quote unquote bastardized system, you know mm-hmm. what it's kind of getting at. And I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think it would be with the men that we've met with uh, and made, built a pretty good relationship with, I think it'd be, it's extremely disrespectful to them. I think they're great people. The, the, the police officers that we've met with, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's ever good to just like group a, a certain type of person or people together, into right? one yeah together like that I don't think it's good at all because then it, it just you know if you think one it cop is bad yeah it encourages like stereotypes and hate and and um you know I from the personal experience that I've had in the past few weeks with the with the police department of Stephenville I think uh Stephenville is very, very lucky to have the people that they have in charge of that police department. Um, so no, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And, mm-hmm. and hope, hope that, it, uh, you know, they come up with a different meaning. I've, n- I've never heard of that, by the way. I'm, that's the oh, first really? thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've but seen it around media, with, like posters and stuff. So mm-hmm. I wanted to bring it up, see what y'all thought about it. Yeah, no, that's great to bring to the attention, but I I would probably, based on our experience, I I know I do have friends who are, who are black, who are, who are police officers, um, Mm -hmm. and a couple of, all three of them actually are in the Dallas area, I think Grapevine and both the other two work Mm -hmm. for DP, Dallas Police Department, and and for me to sweep them, uh, to paint that, that picture for all cops would be inappropriate. It's the same thing that, that people would do what we're doing with African-Americans and, right. and males. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I think that's a unfair, is the system bad? And so some of the practices bad, I think that's where the change has to happen. Um, you know, they've talked about defund mm-hmm. the police. I haven't read enough to know about that, but that doesn't seem like maybe the right approach. Uh, again, I'd have to do my homework to figure if, figure out what that really means. But, right. uh, but, I, but I do know there needs to be some real hard changes some systematic changes, better training uh, for those more accountability. Cause I think that's where exactly. people get, go crazy is that's where we see the riots and whatnot. And, and that's, that's why people are perplexed with with these things that happen, it's not necessarily just the incident alone. The incident alone is bad in itself, right? To see an African American and male get die in custody, but then we've had incidents over the last several years. You can go back 400 years, but let's talk very recent to watch them die in police custody, and then the the result is those police officers are acquitted. That's 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 the challenge right so you got to couple those things we look at it as one incident but we're talking we're coupling uh they're they're not culpable for whatever they're doing and so that's why you have the people who feel like they have no voice anymore uh the people who are educated or wanting to be educated and want to do it in a peaceful way we organize protests and and do things what, what i would consider the ideal and the right way and those who feel like they're voiceless uh, for whatever reason they may have come to then they riot and, and 
that, that may be the tactics that they take. So, mm-hmm. so a lot like Reggie and a lot like Alex, I, I do think it's unfair to label all cops bastards in that term, right? They're not all bad, right? Some of my best friends are actually cops in them. Mm-hmm. And um, like Reggie said, like, it is bad, right? There's bad people, there's bad cops, right? But to like just call them that because of something that has been going on is it's extremely unfair. Um and I was I also thought about this while you both were talking, like we're just talking to, like I remember Alex when we first got there, Alex spoke first, he said Emmett Till, Trayvon Martin, he was just naming everybody, right? Like right. It, it's kind of sad because as he was naming them, I was like, remember, I was like, man, he's right. Like, it happened when I was that age. That happened. You can just remember. Like, right. I wasn't even alive with uh, Rodney King, but I remember that story well. And mm-hmm. Imagine Cole, Alex, Reggie, imagine everything we don't see, right? What wasn't recorded or what didn't make the news or what didn't make the media, right. like, sure. white or black, you know, like, it's something yeah, happens. Definitely. And I know there, there have been so many lives lost since then uh since even may 25th oh, yeah. um I, on both sides um and it's just i'm glad to hear y'all and y'all's opinion on that because honestly as someone who wants to be an ally for different groups of people i i really have to step back and and see what this group is saying what do you guys want Um, from allies and it's good to know that some things like this just aren't what you all are looking for this is not what it's really meant to be we don't want to group people together and assign things to them it's about each individual human being and there are plenty of cops out there who have started to kneel with protesters or have uh, marched with the protesters like in Stephenville and of course there have been people who've taken advantage of the protests on the same side so we're so another wow. compliment to the Stephenville authorities right the local enforcement they're phenomenal with us because like when we meet it's like everything like phones are out the window like we're just so engaged and we're connecting like yeah I, I, I was talking to my wife and her sister last night like a, the thing that always gets messed up is some people, they don't listen to, like, hear, right? They don't listen to understand. They just listen to talk. You know, they're just ready to say their two cents. But when Alex, Reggie, me, uh, Chief Harris, uh, Halsey, all of us were sitting down, like, we're so locked in. It's like effective communication, right? We exactly. want to know each other. We want to know what we the do feedback. over here and what they do. And right. like, we have a group text. We have a group text with, like, 12 people in it right now. We just send each other podcasts, news articles, like, mm-hmm. They send how they feel. We send how we feel. Happy birthday to Alex last week. It's like we're a team just trying to, like, show people that it can't happen. So right. big kudos to Stephenville Police and mm-hmm. this community. Yeah. Right. Uh, we talked a little bit about how officers and law enforcement have started taking a stand against um, this kind of behavior and, and banning certain techniques and uh use of updating use of force rules and stuff and in dr reggie hall you um you talked about the defunding a little bit 
Um, that's more research-based. I, I just recently started hearing about that and I don't know too much about it either. So I don't think we'll touch on that as much. But what do you think are some steps that we should take as a nation, as a state, even as a local community to try to fix this problem? Uh, I, yeah, I can take that. Um, I think the first test uh, or the first thing that we need to do is, is have better training and longer training mm -hmm. and more effective training for police officers. It's definitely surprising to, to hear because uh, obviously I, I have some cops in my extended family, but I don't know too much about the system in which they um, educate themselves to be officers, but it's very short and surprising oh, sure. how short it is and what the requirements are. Uh, yeah. My significant other's dad is a, a police officer and just hearing stories about other officers and how they got through training by doing certain things that weren't right and it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yeah, definitely, because I would say that, you know, some police officers are not like emotionally um, adept to being a police officer mm -hmm. because it takes a lot but you can't have you know it, it's you can't just have like a short fuse on i was seeing that i saw a video the other day where an officer um just pulled a, a gun on a guy and he he said that he had a gun on him but he is like it was at a traffic stop and his hands were like on the steering wheel like he wasn't doing anything and i just right. she, like, just pulled a gun on him some like things like that, maybe better training. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm sure the right. police themselves would know how to go through better training, but better training in general. Um, and then I think uh, like bridging the gap, like more community events that gets uh, like the conversation started. I, th I think at our after action meeting, something that we, I've kind of thought for a while, uh, but I'm not black, so I couldn't really attest to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, something that, came up during our, our meeting on Friday was that law enforcement and the African-American community is like actually extremely similar, like how they feel, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they're scared walking down the street, you know, things like that. Yeah. They're, they're pretty similar. Um, so getting that conversation started, like bridging that gap, uh, more personal relationships personal communication with law enforcement uh, i think would go a long way from but for both sides like uh you know say a school in dallas for example like get dallas pd into those schools and like it doesn't have to be anything official like just have an officer like go eat lunch with a group of kids maybe and like build yeah. like that kind of connection it doesn't have to be anything that big but build that connection build that trust and you know a little bit you know, at a time, it maybe it'll go a long way. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely building those relationships. And that's what this podcast is really trying to help do. And I think that's very important, building that communication, because even as someone who's never had any issues with law, and so law, law enforcement, I'm still honestly scared because of their authority, you know? Um, and there are plenty of people out there who have, you know, even more reason to be scared um, of just being pulled over for a traffic stop or something. So it, to build that relationship is very important. Make that human connection, definitely. So Cole, I'll keep my response short and sweet. <clears throat> when we met the first time with the law enforcement, as we kept going on in the conversation, I kept thinking, it's because like, 
I love to motivate people. Like I actually want to be a motivational speaker one day. So oh, I'm wow. big with like mental health and cool. life coaching and stuff like that. So I was like, so y'all are all y'all are all police, right? You keep telling us you've been doing it for 20 years, 30 years, right? All these years. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And if you are, I totally commend you, but there's no way you're the same, like, like that same passion, right? You've been doing the same thing over and over, year, 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 mm-hmm. year. But it's that same passion when you took the job at 20 or 21 but now you're mid 40s early 50s you probably had some wear and tear right maybe a divorce mm-hmm. maybe a car wreck maybe lost a kid maybe couldn't pay bills bankruptcy all that like that weighs down on people so like i'm thinking like do y'all do any like mental health training right like do y'all exercise often like do you do you have a area in your station where you can just like shut the world off for a minute and just like work on your physical fitness or your mental fitness and like and I think that does play a huge role in but one of the cops made a good point they told us man if you like if you do research it shows our statistics show that cops uh their life expect or I hate that word <laughs> Dr. Hall help me life, life expectancy yeah, that's yeah but yeah. it's only like mid-50s they have heart attacks they have strokes mm-hmm. like this be I, I feel like right you're stressed out you're you're tired. You, you can't shut your brain off. Like they Lots need people to help them. Like I even joked with them. I was like, I will come in for free and just like talk to y'all like once a week or twice a month. Like just get to know you all and like let you share your your true feelings with me. And that, I feel like I feel like not. I'm not gonna say it's a hundred percent of the reasons that people have died or police brutality, but I think that plays a little role. Like right. That's just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up with just one more question for you guys, okay? Um, What do you want allies to hear um, for people, listeners that are looking for what can I do to help? What are y'all looking for? Like, what what should we do to help you guys? That's a great question. Um, You always ask, you know, what solution-wise, and I I think getting engaged in things that you've done, like Cole, uh, having a podcast and having this conversation, uh, being a part of the protest, um, as I said, and I encourage people, you cannot, you can no longer allow ignorance to be your excuse, because Mm -hmm. there's so many resources out there, and that doesn't mean calling your best Black friend, or that could be part of it, but but getting on the internet, reading the books, the audio books, uh, going to the training, it's a continual process for blacks, for whites. But, but you know, when you're on those juror systems and making those laws and voting for laws, be mindful of not just the impact it will have uh, directly, but also those that the way it indirectly impacts the people of color. So it, it's a full, it's a full process of, and it's real work. As I, I, I had the privilege of talking to a couple of the uh, high school coaches, Alex and I, and, and I told them, I said, you want to make sure that you have full support of your administrators uh, because at the end of the day this real work of diversity and training people on understanding diversity and and black lives matter it's real work because it's challenging it's always challenging to go from your comfort zone to then now become uncomfortable because these topics are sensitive and anytime it's real work it's like we're taking an sf fitness workout it's real work and at the end of the day there's going to be some sweat there's going to be some some mental mental sweat that goes out as well and so um you have to be up for the challenge 
not you, Cole, personally, but you have to be up for that challenge that it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not going to be fun. But at the end of the day, if you really want your kids, your family, your your peers to have a better America, a better whatever it is, then then get to it. So ignorance is not 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 an excuse. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an opportunity for you to grow as as a person. Um, and so um, the last thing I'll say is that I, I thought this was one of the most profound statements that was made in, in, in uh, that book that I was mentioned with White Fragility. She, she asked the question, it's like basically if the absence of diversity in your life, we don't ever think about in the absence of diversity, would our life be okay? And for many white people in America, the absence of not having uh, really strong relationships with people of different colors, their mm-hmm. life would still go and still be fine. And that's, that's kind of sad to think about that. That yeah. And our life is probably very unlikely that we're going to run into a society where we don't have, we don't have white people or Hispanic friends and, and uh, people of color enrich my life by having colds, by having my wife who's white in her family. It enriched my life by having Alex Jimenez, by having different folks like that in my life. My life is better, but that may not occur in the case for many white people in America. So I know I talked a lot about it, a lot, but I, I just, that's just to me, that just stuck in my head that, 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 that there's people who can go through life and be okay, not be okay and mm-hmm. excel, not just not be okay. They can go through graduate school, be a CEO of a company. That's the example. So you can be a CEO of a, of a large firm but never really inner truly engage with another person of color, have a really strong relationship. That, that's sad because I think you look at that company, it's probably highly diverse in regards to, to the consumer base and the employee base, but the CEO could actually make it and be fine and never, never really interact yeah. with that group and understand that group. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's about, trying to see other people and and see their experiences and thank you so much for all of what you've talked about on here and what we can put out to the world and and hope this is the time of change because it does feel like that 2020 has had its um ups and downs (laughs) but i'm I'm really hoping that this will spark a, a higher change than than has been in the past so uh, i think i'm gonna end it there guys thank you so much so much for coming on thank Thank you cole thank you cole for having us all right folks thank you so much for listening we talked a lot about different things and a lot of topics that can be kind of uncomfortable sometimes but it's really important when you're building those connections with diverse people that you put yourself in their shoes and learn more about it and that's what dr hall was talking about as an ally we just got to keep educating ourselves and listening to people and seeing what they experience there's plenty more topics to address and we'll keep it coming on making space if you want updates about the show please make sure to follow and like us on instagram facebook and twitter at the planet 100.7 that's the radio station we're based out of And I will include some links in the description about different sources you guys can go to to read up a little bit. For now, folks, be safe, and we'll see you next time.
This has been a Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from AJ Heyer and Taylor Welch. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.